Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, leave a like on the episode, and leave a comment down below. If you're listening on Spotify or Podbean, Follow on there and share around with others. We have X, Facebook, and Instagram. X, all you got to do is type in at pigskin underscore frenzy. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, all you got to do is type in pigskin frenzy. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as all things up to date for pigskin frenzy. And there's Instagram. All you got to do is type in at pigskin frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get trivia questions on pigskin frenzy stories. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for pigskin frenzy. Okay, college football day today. We're back and it is, you know, it's going to be back for college football. I will say. After watching Week One's matchups, I was thinking, "Are we in the twilight zone?" <laughs> I was honestly thinking that. I mean, I felt like Rod Serling was here somewhere, telling us that we have entered the twilight zone because there were some matchups that were kind of like, "Oh, that's interesting, right?" Uh, there were some matchups that were expected, matchups that were disappointing, and matchups that were, you know, had some triumphs, right? So, and we're gonna break those down as well as we're gonna preview and predict. Week two's top matchups here in a little bit, but the polls came out today. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go over, you know, what happened. You know, we're going to talk about what happened there. We're also going to talk about, you know, a lot of things. You know, week one, what disappointed, what you know, what what was good, and what we saw that was you know expected, right? So week one recap. Week two preview and predictions, and we're gonna go over and you know the AP poll, the top twenty-five rankings. So before we go on to you know and do that, just a little reminder: the Pigskin Frenzy Defending Champion Giveaway ends this Thursday night at twelve midnight. So it ends twelve a.m. or technically it's Wednesday night going into Thursday at twelve a.m. But nonetheless, midnight Thursday. The Pigskin Frenzy Defending Champion Giveaway ends. Free giveaway and enter, enter, enter. That's all I got to say. Enter, enter, enter. So follow on Facebook. Share it on your story with a hashtag PF Podcast Giveaway and tag two of your friends in the comments below on the post. With Instagram, same thing. Follow on Instagram. Share it on your Instagram story. Hashtag PF Podcast Giveaway. And tag two of your friends at the comment section below in the post. Additional entries. Follow on X. Follow on Podbean or Spotify. And subscribe to YouTube. It includes an autographed football signed by Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Trey Smith, Joe Tunney, and Mike Calendino. A Kansas City Chiefs football t-shirt. Extra large. And... Two Pigskin Frenzy stickers, and I will shout you out on this Thursday's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy, where the NFL regular season is back, and the NFL starts this week. So, what are you waiting for? Enter, enter, enter. It ends this Thursday night. We will decide the winner, and we will announce the winner on Instagram and Facebook at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming up Thursday. And I will shout you out, as well as the episode drops Thursday. So, giveaway there. Enter, 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 and let's kick it off, guys, for, for some college football. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Follow on Podbean and Spotify. Share around with others. Follow on X, Instagram, and Facebook for all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. 
let's begin with college football week one recap. Let's break it down with Thursday night. Let's talk about Florida, Utah. I picked Utah to win. I said it was going to be a closer game, Utah and Florida. Chris Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit were on the call, ESPN. Good atmosphere for Salt Lake City. They were amped. They were ready to go. I was right about the outcome. Utah did defeat Florida, but I was wrong about how close it was. <laughs> so score, you may think, okay, it's 24-11 Utah over Florida. You're thinking it's not that bad. Well, if you look at the play, it was, okay? It was. So, and you're going to think, well, these stats, these stats are pretty solid. And you're thinking, why would, why was it, you know, on paper, it was a closer game, right? Let's go over the stats. Rushing yards for Utah, 105. Florida rushing yards, 13. Miskey number one for Florida. They couldn't get, get going on the ground, right? They could not run the ball. Florida passing yards, 333. And Utah passing yards, 165. Which, in a way, I mean, you're thinking, like, they got Bryson Barnes and they have Nate Johnson. They have two good quarterbacks at Utah. But Graham Mertz, the starting quarterback for Florida, threw, out threw them, right? Utah's total total yards was 270, and Florida's total yards was 346. You're thinking they had more total yards than Utah. Florida's quarterback, Graham Burtz, was not bad. You think, okay, he had one pick, but that was one really, really solid, like really minor miscue compared to everything else. 31 for 44 with 333 yards and one touchdown Graham Mertz had. Graham Mertz was actually the only solid piece of the puzzle for Florida that night. If you look at everything else, he was sacked about four or five times. The offensive line couldn't hold. There were so many penalties that were ensued for Florida. They had a lot of false starts, a lot of, uh, including including on, on the goal line, fourth and uh, it was fourth and short, and they were going to go for it, and they had the tools to go for it. And then a false start happened. And then another miscue happened. Uh, per, uh, passes, pass interference, holdings. There was a bunch of calls and penalties on Florida's end. The running game couldn't get going. It was a little bit stagnant. Uh, even though Graham Mertz had 333 yards, they only managed to score 11 points. Let me repeat that. Graham Mertz had 333 passing yards. They only managed to score 11 points. Now, Utah's defense is no slouch. Utah's defense actually was pretty solid. However, that offense could have done a lot more for Florida, and I think Florida kind of hurt themselves on a lot of plays, but Florida, but Utah was just a talented team. They had more heart. They, they showed more determination, and Utah was just a more talented team. Florida was kind of bullied, I mean, Thursday night, and speaking of bullying, I'm going to get to Sunday night's game in a minute. Uh, I'm going to get to Sunday night's game in a minute. But Florida was bullying that game. Uh, it was very underwhelming. Uh, they were expecting a, a, lo- a lot more from Florida. And Florida, you know, I, I, I would say this. I kind of warned everyone about Florida in, during the spring because they showed a lot of this during the spring, and it kind of bled over into the regular season. So Florida, 11. Utah, 24. Utah goes 1-0. They got Baylor next week. Florida has Charlotte next week. So, let's move on to some triumph. Saturday morning, Colorado, TCU. It was a game that everybody was talking about. I said TCU was going to win. I was wrong. I was wrong. Final score, Colorado 45, TCU 42. 
man, Dion wins his first game as a Colorado head coach. Big time upset against the runner-up of last year's national championship game. 45-42, Colorado beats TCU. And let me go on and tell you who was impressive. Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. Man, they have entered national contention of top players of the year. Let me go on and tell you that. Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders may have both entered Heisman contention with how they played, right? Let's go over Travis Hunter. A, an absolute animal, by the way. Animal. He played it. He played like it against TCU uh, this, this past Saturday. Travis Hunter. 11 receptions with 119 yards. He's also a defensive back. So he had along with one tackle and one jump interception on the goal line. He saved from a touch. He saved, you know, Colorado from getting scored on. He jumped the ball interception in a clutch play. Travis Hunter played 60 snaps in the first half. 60 snaps. Do you know how in shape you have to be in to play 60 snaps both ways? An animal. This is like eight-man football to him almost. You got to play both ways. An animal, Travis Hunter is. Shadur Sanders, also an animal. 38 for 47 with 510 yards and four touchdowns. Let me repeat that. 510 yards and four touchdowns. One of the best this weekend with Shadur Sanders. But even though they lost, TCU played really well. TCU had some good... Even though TCU had some good players... Amani Bailey, their running back, 14 carries with 164 yards. He did not score any touchdowns, but he ran the ball quite nicely. Chandler Morris had 24 for 42 with 279 yards and two touchdowns along with two interceptions. He had miscues with two picks, but Chandler Morris showed promise for this Horn Frogs offense. So TCU looked solid. It was a good game. It was back and forth. In the end, Colorado upset TCU. What does this do for Colorado? We're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about them against Nebraska, and we're going to preview that game in a minute. Colorado could be up there in the Pac-12. They're not going anywhere. You're going to have to come to play Colorado after this game. This game showed that. Colorado was not the same team as they were with 1-11. They are a brand-new team, brand-new come-to-life team, and you're going to have to play them, whoever's playing them in the Pac-12. They got SC, Utah, and Oregon as games. Uh, they got to play Oregon uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, on the 23rd, they got to play them on the 23rd. So they got to they got to come to play them. All right. So those are some games there that they they cannot you know they cannot miss. It's either the 23rd or the 16th. I may have uh, let me look that up. I may have gotten that wrong, but Colorado, like I said, is a team to not to be messed with. Okay, they play them on the 23rd. The 23rd is when org is when they go to Eugene, Oregon. So let me let me just go on and tell you something. Colorado, nothing to be messed with. Congratulations to them. I said it. I said it. An upset comes a long way. And if they upset them, everyone's gonna be talking about it. I'm talking about it. Everybody else is talking about it. Colorado beats TCU 45-42. And just impressive play by Sadura Sanders and Travis Hunter to, you know, put themselves in the national contention and put Colorado in the limelight. So Colorado, watch out for them this year. North Carolina, South Carolina. I was wrong about that one. I was wrong about that one as well. I said South Carolina was going to win a close one. It was very underwhelming. Final score, North Carolina 31, South Carolina 17. 
very underwhelming. Uh, North Carolina looked solid. They looked solid in the run game, and they looked solid in the passing game with a few miscues in the passing game, but they looked solid nonetheless. Drake May, 24 for 32 with 269 yards and two touchdowns with two interceptions. Uh, the running game was good for them. They scored at will. They scored pretty easy. Um and North Carolina looks good. They look like they can contend in the ACC. I'm going to get to that with you know the ACC in a minute, but they look like they can contend. Matt Brown gets his 100th win as North Carolina head coach. Congratulations to Matt Brown. Good win for him as head coach. Spencer Rattler for South Carolina, 30 for 39 with 353 yards. He didn't, did not play bad, okay? The stats on paper, he didn't play bad. He just didn't have time to throw the football. Uh, the only touchdowns that South Carolina had, Juju McDowell and J- uh, DeCarry and Joyner, they were the, the two running backs. They scored touchdowns for South Carolina, and then they kicked the field goal, and that was it for them. That was the 17 points. So 7-14 and 17 with a field goal. The line was kind of pushy. The line was scary because the line did not hold their blocks for Spencer Rattler. I, I did not know when I was watching that game and, and spectating it, I was like, they cannot block. They can't block. It was it was a uh, a sack or thrown away ball, sack or thrown away ball throughout the whole time, throughout the whole second half, and that's why North Carolina capitalized on that because their line could not hold North Carolina's defensive line. So, and they got some guys. Like I said last week, they got some guys on defensive line. So, congratulations to North Carolina. South Carolina was a little underwhelming. They got to go back to the drawing board. They're zero and one. Um, they got a they got a game in a few weeks against Tennessee that they got to worry about. And Tennessee looks really, really good. They they look really, really good. So congratulations to North Carolina. South Carolina looks a little bit underwhelming, but, you know, we're just going to leave it at that. Uh, South Carolina is going to go out to the drawing board. North Carolina could be a team to mess with in the ACC. Sunday night game, the big one, Florida State, LSU. I picked LSU to win that one. I said it was going to be close. I was wrong. Final score, Florida State 45, LSU 24. Wow. So in the first half, that game was actually close, believe it or not. Everyone's going to say, oh, they blew them out the whole game. That wasn't the case. LSU was competing with them and actually led at halftime. It was 17-14, LSU at half. Uh, Quite honestly, LSU had some plays where they could be up but LSU did not capitalize on it. They did not capitalize at all. So there were a lot of reads that were that were missed from Jaden Daniels to the receivers. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, their play calling was very predictable, and they were in their own heads that whole entire game. Let's go with the stats really quick. Jordan Travis, amazing, by the way. He put himself in the Heisman contention with this win. 23 for 31 with 342 yards and four touchdowns along with one interception. Let's not forget about his receivers. Johnny Wilson, seven receptions with 104 yards. Good receiver. He played last year great. He was a good, he's a good receiver. But let's talk about their new receiver who just came in from Michigan State. Michigan State transfer wide receiver, Keon Coleman, an assassin. He is an assassin, ladies and gentlemen. Nine receptions with 122 yards and three touchdowns. He was bulldozing through the, those defensive backs of LSU, who, you know, the LSU has a history of being DBU. They couldn't stop Keon Coleman. It was an issue for them. They could not stop Keon Coleman. 
that offense was clicking on all cylinders. Jaheim Bell had a touchdown. Uh, the physicality in the second half was was impressive for Florida State. They were bulldozing through LSU. LSU was used to bulldozing through other people. It, it was usually it's the other way around, but no, LSU was getting bulldozed. Um, I did not know what where LSU went in the second half. That was weird. Florida State, solid team. They affirmed their playoff hype and they affirmed that they are the top dog in the ACC. And and not only that, they affirmed that they are a team to beat in college football. Jaden Daniels, 22 for 37 with, 100, with 347 yards and one touchdown along with one interception, 15 carries and 64 yards on the ground. Josh Williams, four carries with, with four, 44 yards. Noah Kane had four carries with four yards and one touchdown. And Trey Bradford, uh, Welcome back, Trey Bradford, Bradford to LSU. Four carries with one yard and one touchdown. Brian Thomas had seven receptions with 142 yards and a touchdown. And that was just about it. Uh, the running game was led by Jaden Daniels. Um, it was non really non-existent with the running backs. The running backs seemed to, couldn't develop a rhythm. Their play calling was was kind of basic, and they just looked like they felt defeated. They looked like they played defeated out there. Um, it was about... Let me think. I would say 17-14, third quarter, they just didn't have any life. So they held Florida State to a field goal. They had a couple of plays. They punt. They, they, they got rid of the ball. They punted. Florida State scored. They threw a pick, 31-17. It just, was, it just did not go their way. Their, their energy and how they played and how their mindset was in the second half was just completely gone. They were competing the whole time, competing the whole time in the first half. Then the life just got sucked out of them. They came in with the mindset of, Word, this is going to be easy, and it wasn't easy, and they, and they showed that. Uh, shame on LSU for, for you know thinking that this game was going to be easy. It was not easy. Florida State defeats LSU 45-24 for Florida State up there with their playoff hype. And what does this mean for Florida State? Well, they got some games that got that they, can, that they, that they can win coming up, right? They got some games that they can easily win coming up. Uh, they got some competitive games. Uh, Clemson could be one of them. Uh, they got some games, though. We'll see. I'm going to mention Clemson in a minute. So Clemson's an iffy one at this point right now. But Florida State, they're the real deal. They showed that Sunday night. What does this mean for LSU? If for Florida State, I'm thinking playoffs. I'm thinking on our way throughout the season. Let's get wins, right? LSU needs to go back to the drawing board. They showed with the mindset that they played with that they are not a championship team yet. Um, I'm not thinking about SEC West. I'm not thinking about SEC championships. I'm not thinking about one loss college football playoff. I'm thinking about if I'm LSU, I'm thinking about getting past Grambling, and then getting and then focusing on Mississippi State in Starkville in a couple of weeks. That is what I'm thinking about because this Saturday night could be a win for LSU, sure, but it's not going to be an impressive win that they want. The win that they wanted was Florida State, but now that's out the window. To get back on track, you're going to have to focus on games like Grambling, games like State, because it's not going to get any easier. If they if they had the mindset that they had against Florida State, it could be a long season for LSU. I'm just being dead honest. It could be a long season for LSU. So, final score, 45-24, Florida State routes LSU. Let's go over with the Labor Day game before we go to the top 25 and preview and predict week two games. 
Clemson was a three-touchdown favorite in this one. Final score was Duke 28, Clemson 7. You can almost hear a pin drop. I'm dropping my pin. 28-7, Duke defeats Clemson. Not only upsets Clemson, but they blew Clemson out. Let's go over the stats. Riley Leonard proved to be the truth. Riley Leonard proved to be the truth for Duke. Must have been. 17 for 33 with 175 yards, 8 carries with 98 yards, and 1 touchdown on the ground. So Riley Leonard proved to be an underrated quarterback in the conference and an underrated quarterback in college football. Jordan Waters, their two running backs, were great. 11 carries with 63 yards and one touchdown, three receptions with 46 yards. Jaquez Moore, eight carries with 43 yards and one touchdown. Duke was rolling. Defense and offense on both sides of the ball. Duke played lights out in Durham. Let's go over with Clemson's stats. 20, K. Klubnik, he did fine. He actually did good. Him and Will Shipley did good. The line just could not hold their defensive line. Not only could hold them, they just had, there were some penalties. The, the penalties and the miscues were, were just, you know, interesting, right? The, the penalties and miscues were interesting for Clemson. K. Klubnick, 27 for 43 with 209 yards and a touchdown, along with one interception. Running back Will Shipley had 17 carries with 114 yards. That ground game was awesome with Will Shipley. But they could not capitalize. They had missed opportunities, field goals, fumbles. They could not get out of their own way. When it counted, they could not capitalize. And that was the big thing with Clemson. Surprisingly, they had new offensive coordinator, Last year's TCU offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, is now their new coordinator. And Garrett Riley only scored seven points. An offense that was supposed to be fireworks did not capitalize. So it was crazy. It was it was, it was interesting. Clemson loses. They upset. Uh, big drop in the AP poll. I'm going to get to that in a minute for Clemson. Final score, 28. Duke, Clemson, 7. A lot of questions to be answered about Clemson. Where do they go from here? Um, where does Duke go from here? Only way they go from here is up. Now they got two important games. They got Notre Dame and they have Florida State. Those are two tough games. September 30th to Durham, North Carolina. Notre Dame comes to town. Sam Hartman comes to town. So we're going to see what Duke is made of there. An undefeated game with Duke and Notre Dame could be on the horizon. Who knows? Florida State. Duke, that could be a game as well on October 21st. So let's just see what happens to Duke. Clemson, they got to go back to the drawing board, and they got to see what went wrong with those missed opportunities. So uh, final score, Duke 28, Clemson 7. After week one, I felt like I was in the twilight zone, ladies and gentlemen. I really did. Because when I was watching it, I was like, Duke shouldn't have lost. LSU should have competed a lot harder than they did. Um, And Florida probably should have gave a little bit more. I think that when I saw a lot of these games, I was in the, tr- the twilight zone. Dion won his first game t- against the, the runner-up, and Colorado is, like, in the rankings now. So, it's crazy. It's crazy. Twilight, the twilight zone in college football, and we will see what happens week two, right? We will see what happens in week two. Hopefully, we may separate ourselves from the twilight zone or... Maybe we're still in it. Who knows? We'll see about week two here shortly. But let's go over the AP poll really quick before we, you know, preview and predict week two games and get over, you know, you know, and conclude today's episode. So Georgia is number one. Michigan is number two. Alabama is number three. 
Ohio State drops and Alabama wins and, and wins and wins impressively and goes to number three. Florida State is at four after beating LSU. Ohio State is at five. When you look at the top five, Ohio State didn't have a big outing against you know Indiana. They they kind of struggled in that game. That's why they drop those drop two spots and Alabama jumps and Alabama and Florida State jump them. Ohio State wins, but. They, they dropped, you know, they, 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 they didn't look as impressive. USC, number six, they're still number six, no change there. Penn State at number seven, no change there. Washington takes Florida State spot at eight. They are number eight now, one and oh, they were at number 10. Tennessee was at number 12. They're at number nine after an impressive win. They move up three spots. Number 10, Notre Dame. They were at number 13. They were at number 13. They move up three spots. They're 2-0, number 10, Notre Dame. Texas remains the same. They are number 11 after capping off an impressive win against Rice. Utah beats Florida. They are number 12. They move up from 14 to 12. Oregon at number 15. They scored 81 points. 81 points, ladies and gentlemen. Even though it was against Portland, Portland State, doesn't matter. 81 points, still impressive. They're number 13. LSU went from 5 to 14. They dropped nine spots. Number 14 is LSU currently. Kansas State, number 15. They moved from 16 to 15. Oregon State was 18. Now they're 16 after an impressive win. The only team, by the way, the only conference that was undefeated was the Pac-12. Think about that. The only conference that was undefeated in games was the Pac-12. Something to think about as the Pac-12 is going, you know, Thinking about going under now, now that Stanford, Cal, and SMU are joining the ACC. So that's that's impressive. Uh, four spots. So North Carolina was 21. They're now 17. North Carolina beat, beat South Carolina this past weekend in impressive fashion. They, they go up four spots. Oklahoma was 20. They move up four spots. Uh, they move up two spots to 18. Oklahoma, 18 now. Wisconsin, has entered the rankings after beating Buffalo. Wisconsin is number 19. Ole Miss, 20, after moving up two spots after beating Mercer. They just put up 73 points. They're in a huge game this week against Tulane. Duke at 21. Duke is at 21 after beating and upsetting Clemson. That's insane. Duke is at 21. Colorado at 22. Hello to the Buffaloes. They are in the they are in the rankings after a huge upset win against TCU. 23 is Texas A&M. That doesn't remain. That remains the same. Tulane at 24. That remains the same. And 25 after dropping 16 spots is Clemson. They went from 9 to 25 after yesterday's loss to Duke. They are 25. That is a huge huge drop from Cle- for Clemson. So the two biggest drops. LSU, Clemson, obviously, TC, and, and TCU, and TCU, TCU is now completely out of the rankings. So those are this, those are this week's week two top twenty-five rankings. So let's go over to week two and let's recap those matchups. So preview and predict, and let's talk about these matchups here: Texas A&M, Miami. Texas A&M, both offenses, look, both offenses looked really good against their prospective opponents. Texas A&M played New Mexico. Miami played Miami of Ohio. They both looked good. Tyler Van Dyke looked good. Connor Wingman from Texas A&M looked really good. Uh, they put up about 50 points the other day, A&M did. A&M's new-look offense looked impressive. But, yet again, let's see how they look against a 
a top team. Miami may may not be ranked, but they look good. Let's see let's see what happens there. Miami A and M. Let's see how both offenses look. I liked their defenses. I liked how they looked there. Uh, I think this game's going to be close. I do. I think this game's going to be end up being close. Uh, I think you know the home field advantage is with Miami. I think it's not going to matter. I think A&M wins this game close. They beat Miami. I think they beat Miami by a score of 35 to 21. Honestly, I think A&M goes into the Miami in a Hard Rock Stadium and beats my and beats the Hurricanes by two touchdowns. I think it's going to be that night for A&M and they're going to go 2 and 0 and they're going to start talking about A&M. They're going to start talking about A&M after this one. So, A&M beats Miami 35-21 and like I said, We'll start talking about AM, I guess. So Ole Miss Tulane. My keys to this one and my previews to this one. Pete Golding did well on defense in week one. Did really well. He held Mercer to seven points, and that offense looked solid behind Jackson Darts. Uh 300 plus yards and four touchdowns. But now he's got a test coming for him in the form of Tulane. Tulane's got a solid offense led by Michael Pratt. And the next key for this is he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football. But so was Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart put up four touchdowns. Mike, uh, Michael Pratt put up a couple of touchdowns and looked solid. He is a solid veteran for that two-lane at Greenway offense in New Orleans. Uh, one key for this one is get my uh, get Quinshawn Juckins going in this one. Juckins had sixty-something yards, sixty-plus yards, and two touchdowns. They really didn't need him because you know, like I said, Juckins. I mean, Dart. Dart was going was throwing yard. You know, he was going off against Mercer. The passing game was elite against Mercer, but let's get Juckins going in this one. I think Juckins in the run game, this could help, you know, fuel some fire against, you know, get them past Tulane. This game's going to be close. It's at New Orleans. Tulane's got the home field advantage. Uh, It's going to be, you know, Tulane's got all their guys coming back. It's going to be a quarterback battle, and between Michael Pratt and Jackson Dart, who wins this one? I think Ole Miss pulls this one out close. Ole Miss beats Tulane close. I would say about 35-28 by a touchdown. Ole Miss 35, Tulane 28. Ole Miss routes Tulane in a close one. And I think Ole Miss starts off their season hot, 2-0, along with A&M. And, you know, they're up there in the West currently. So Ole Miss defeats Tulane in this one, but it's a close Close game. I would say get Quinshawn Juckins going in this one, and I think that's this could set off a good win for Ole Miss. So uh, two more games. Colorado, Nebraska. Let's talk about this one. Colorado looks solid. They look like a team to not be messed with in the Pac-12 and in college football. Nebraska, unfortunately, suffered a heartbreaking loss to Minnesota, 13-10. Uh, Nebraska just couldn't get it going. They couldn't expand on their playbook, and it looked kind of dull for Nebraska. Uh, they, it was, even though it was an away game, it still was a tough night at the office for Matt Rule and the Cornhuskers. So, Keys to this one. Can Matt, Matt Rule bounce back after this tough season opening loss? Can he do it? Uh, we He's got to have to show us something on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the defense looked like they were competitive. I think the defense showed some fight and some heart, but the offense looked a little, little in. They looked, they looked like they were lacking some, some umph to it. So uh, another key for can Colorado keep it going? Can they keep up the momentum? Can they, you know, get in their right head space and keep up the momentum of, hey, we're coming. We're Colorado, and we're going to, you know, punch you right in the mouth, right? Uh, can they keep it up? A big, Some two big keys in this one. 
expand Jeff Sims a lot more for Colorado. You got to expand him and you got to use him to his strengths. What are his strengths? He's a dual threat, right? Uh, use him in the in the ground a little bit more. If he's if he's got nowhere else to run, if he has got nowhere else to throw, let him take off. He was in the pocket too much, and I think if you expand on that a little bit, let him get him to his strength. Jeff Sims could produce some magic for the Cornhuskers offense. So expand Jeff Sims in the playbook a lot more. For Colorado, I would say give the rock more to Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards was a very underrated factor for that team this past Saturday against TCU. Freshman Dylan Edwards. Uh, yes, they have graduate transfer Cavazier Smoke, but Dylan Edwards looked solid. He's a clear starter for this team. I think Dylan Edwards uh, ran the rock good, and he was a good dynamic threat in the passing game, in the receiving game. So give the rock to Dylan Edwards more, and let's see what he can do and make some plays. Colorado, Nebraska. Who do I have winning this one? I have Colorado win, winning against Nebraska. I think Colorado beats Nebraska, and I honestly think this may not be close just for the, the key factor of, you know, expanding that offense. That offense needs a little bit more work for Nebraska. Uh, I'll, I will give... Colorado, Nebraska, the score of 38 to 24. 38 24, Nebraska. Uh, 38 24 to Nebraska. Colorado beats Nebraska 38 24, and the Buffs improved 2 0 on their way to a good game against Oregon in a couple of weeks. So, last game I want to pre preview and predict the big one. The big one for this week. Game day is going to be there, SEC Nation will be there. That's Alabama versus Texas. It's the game that we've been waiting on. It's a game I've been talking about during the offseason with Texas and Alabama. So it's both teams' first true test, obviously. Um, keys to this one, Alabama's defense looks stout. They looked stout against Middle Tennessee. They looked really, really good. They looked a lot better than they did last season, and they looked they looked pretty good. Caleb Downs was impressive. Uh, Dallas Turner was impressive, and Kool-Aid McKinstry was impressive. Can Texas rushing attack play a factor into this one, however? They're, their rushing attack looked good. They just, it seemed like they were missing a little bit of that B. John Robinson effect, right? But can they play a rush a factor onto this Bama defense? So that's one key. The biggest key of them all in this game, who will have better quarterback play? Jalen Milrow impressed this past Saturday night. He did. He, 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 he ran the ball well. He had a rushing touchdown, and he had a few passing touchdowns. He looked good. He looked good through the air. But what's this going to do against a top-caliber team against Texas, a, a defense that is who played also pretty well against Rice? What are they going to do? Right? What is Jalen Milrow going to do? You also have two other quarterbacks. This quarterback competition is by, by no means over for Alabama yet. You have Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson in the wings. Jalen Milrow will most likely get the start against Texas. And then you got Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers had, had himself a day against Texas. Uh, he threw it for a couple of touchdowns and about 200 plus, 240 plus yards against Rice. He had, a, he had a good day. It wasn't the best day, but he had a good day. Uh, who is going to have better quarterback play? That is the real question. It's going to come down to the quarterbacks in this one. Who plays better? Quinn Ewers, Jalen Milrow, or whoever plays at quarterback for Alabama. Now, who do I have winning this one? Close game. It's going to be a close game like last year. I have Bama winning this one. I have Bama winning this one 35-28. I think in the end, Bama wins this one. I think Jalen Milrow is going to make some good plays and solidify himself as the guy, as the quarterback for this team. 
And I think that Jalen Milrow, I think Jalen Milrow does it for Alabama. I think Alabama wins 35-28. 35-28, Alabama beats Texas. Texas goes back to the drawing board at 1-1. 2-0 one one. star for Alabama, and they're atop of the SEC West with Texas A&M and Ole Miss. So, that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy today. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on the episode and leave a comment down below. If you're listening on Spotify or Podbean, follow on there and share around with others. X at Pigskin underscore Frenzy. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. And Instagram at Pigskin Frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as trivia questions. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Again, a big thank you for taking some time to listen and just, you know, watch and just, you know, let me break down some college football covers to you guys. Uh, Thursday, Kickoff of the NFL regular season is this Thursday. Chiefs, Lions, they play. We're going to break down some top week one NFL matchups, and we're going to preview and predict some of those. We're also going to talk about, also going to talk about the giveaway. We're going to announce the giveaway, and we're going to shout out the winner this Thursday. Week one, NFL, we're pumped. Enter the giveaway. I'm Joel Norris signing off. We'll see you Thursday for another edition of Pigskin Frenzy. And for everybody out there, stay the course.